This episode is brought to you by Push Messaging God's Urban Airship. They can be found at urbanairship.com and by ThinkNear. Their location score platform delivers the most accurate location targeting available on mobile. Visit them at locationscore.com. And by Pollen. Access your app store revenues faster and fund user acquisition straight away. To sign up, go to pollen.vc. Welcome to This Week in Location-Based Marketing with your hosts, Rob Woodbridge and Asif Khan. Yes, folks, it is that time. It is time for This Week in Location-Based Marketing. This is episode number 217, uh, and we're doing this on January 16th, 2015. My name is Rob Woodbridge from Untether.tv, located in Ottawa, Ontario, Canada. With me, as usual. Do I have to say his name? I gotta come up with a new one, right? Like the the, the, the no, dance. Oh, please. you know what? The dancer of directions. Oh Does dear. That makes sense. Direction dancer. Direction. I'll think dance. about it while you introduce yourself. I don't need any more names, Rob. I'm good. I, I got a lot. Uh, this is Asif Khan from the Location Based Marketing Association, still in Toronto, if you can believe it. Um, but just for you know, a cup, a, a cup of coffee now. Monday, Monday, the travel begins. So yeah. Let's see, how can you be the Lord of Location, the dancer of direction, if you are sitting in Toronto on your butt the whole time? I want exactly. my money back. Right. Exactly. Air Canada back. is sitting there going, Where what happened to this guy? What did There's we do? There's a gap. What did we do? There's a gap in in this travel here. Like uh Well you should have taken the money that you weren't spending on flights and actually put it into Target and maybe retail in Canada would actually still be uh, here. Uh, tough, tough, tough week. If you're a retailer this week, I'd be I'd be basically clenching my butt tight because this is not a good time to be a retailer, a, especially in Canada. Target pulling out, Sony pulling out. There's rumors of Radio Shack going out of business. This is not good. I thought we were no. in the golden age of retail. And, and and you'd think these guys, you know, like um, you know, with where the Canadian dollar is right now. Oh, it's golden. They, you know, like like they'd be all over it. Like it'd be the opposite, but yeah. no, they're screwed. It's amazing. Uh, it's amazing. I've been into Target many times, and I, I know you probably have as well, and down in the States as well, and uh, there's just no comparison. It was a piece of junk up here. It was a terrible store. I hated going in there. You would have like one one pair of kids' shoes, right? There was no inventory. It was more expensive than Walmart, and uh, and uh, the quality wasn't there, and there was no inventory. Frustrating. So they get what they do. deserve. I, you know what I noticed, though? Here's the thing about Canadian media all over the place is that uh, yesterday, to, we're, we're filming this on Friday. The news broke on Thursday, which would have been yesterday for us as we're talking in real time. And everybody, when the announcement came out, everybody like freaked out. It was such a sh shock. It was such a surprise. And, mm. and you said the same thing. It's a sh such a surprise. It was a shock. And, and, and uh, uh, um, we had something. Uh, my my, my uh, um, I'm sorry, I lost my train of thought there. But we, we, <laughs> we had something that uh, was bought at Target and had to go back. Um, it was like going to be returned, and so like we saw the news, and we're like, uh, we we better run and see if they'll like take this return before like before things go crazy. And then we were there, and um, you went back today to do that. Yesterday, okay. Yesterday, and then uh, we were there, and the um, uh, you know we're just talking to the the employee. Uh, this was yesterday afternoon, and the employee obviously like everybody's in shock, and they only found out themselves eight a.m. Uh, yesterday, uh, all the managers of the store, everything. It was just like, wow, like crazy. Well, well. So, in typical fashion, though, I mean, yesterday everybody was shocked, and then today, every article that I've ever read about it, saying like, oh, we saw this coming, we saw this coming. Like bullshit. You didn't see this coming. There's no way that anybody saw this yeah. coming. No, maybe, nobody. Saw. Maybe Target did. 
But it was such a shock to everybody. And I hate when people do that. It's like, oh, in hindsight, of course I saw that coming. Because I'm a... I'm, anyway. Uh, anyway, I'm a retail expert. <laughs> anyway, it was a big, tough day. But we're here to talk about some good news. We've got some great stories here. Ten we great do. stories. Great, great, great stories. We've got a, an amazing guest in uh, Jonathan Berlin. You might recognize his name. At least his company's name is Economy. Uh, this is the company, Iconomy, that that, um, that puts the uh, beacons and mannequins that we talked about many, 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 many moons ago. And Asif got to sit down and talk with him, which is going to be a fascinating conversation. And, uh, of course, we have our uh, – we're going to do one big story. And I'm going to give you a little bit of a preview of what that story is. I, I've, I've dubbed it now, So Biz Calm. So Biz Calm. Now you're so going to have to stick around and understand what that means. So Biz Calm. Okay? So Biz Calm. Instead of solo mo, yeah. it's So Biz Calm. And by the way, if, if, if whoever's listening and, and hearing this thing now, please do not go and create a company called So Biz Calm. No. No, it's, just, it's just you. bad. Because as much as we're using it for this episode, Rob and I will totally make fun of you. 100%. You so, 100%. You, you'll make it on the show, that's for sure. Yeah. But not in a good way. Not in a good way. Not in a good way. <laughs> All right. So what's going on with the uh, location-based marketing association? Well, so my, as I said, the travel begins for me in earnest on Monday. Uh, and uh, basically, there's, there's a whole raft of events coming up uh, on the LBMA calendar. So starting with next Wednesday, that is the... 21st of January, the day after my birthday, the uh, that uh, we're launching a new chapter in uh, in LA. So really excited about that. A uh, bunch of great companies getting behind it. Think Near, Factual, Chalk Digital, Wasserman Media uh, is hosting it. Um, so uh, we're, we're excited about that. Uh, you know, I, th I think it's it's going to be a really uh, a really good event. Um, and uh, yeah, uh, you know. Um, some different perspectives too. You know, LA is LA, right? It's not. It's not Chicago. It's not New York. Uh, it's not so retail centric. It's uh, you know, but you know, there's a lot of brands down there in, in the media entertainment world. So, hopefully, we'll have a slightly different discussion on uh, on location with with the folks down there. And then, uh, so that's January 21st. Um, and then. Uh, uh, shortly after that, I'm off to Europe for a bunch of stuff. So on the 4th of February, we have a event on Beacons in London, and that uh, and Jonathan, our guest uh, that you'll you'll see uh, in here later uh, in this episode, he's going to be there speaking on the panel as well, uh, as well as uh, uh, Barclays Bank, uh, the person that, that rolled out the uh, the Beacons for people with disabilities. Uh, we've got them on the panel, um, and a number of other great uh, great speakers. So uh, so that should be exciting. So that's February the 4th. The next day, 5th and 6th, actually, uh, I'm over in Munich for the LOCA conference. This is the LBMA uh, conference um, in, in Germany. Uh, so there's two days. Um, and then I go from there over to uh, uh, Stockholm because on the Monday, the 9th, we're opening a new chapter there. So um, lots of stuff going on. It's crazy. It's crazy. You can always find that stuff up at thelbma.com forward slash events um, if you are interested in, in following mm -hmm. Asif. You can follow him on Twitter. You can follow him on Instagram. You can follow him on Facebook, or you can follow him on Foursquare, and you will uh, live vicariously as I do with his travels. Yeah, there you go. So we've got a. Uh, I, I mean, we got the giant show, right? You know, you got the big show NRF, right? It's called the big show. We're going to call this the giant show. In your the face, giant. NRF. The big show, my butt. The giant show is coming up right now, um, and uh, we've got our top ten stories, and obviously we're going to sandwich in our guest, which is Jonathan Berlin. Um, and uh, of course, our resource—not not not a resource, but a big uh, our big story of the week, which is what I call so bizcom, so bizcom. It's got to be said like that, so bizcom. What do you say we jump into the stories? You ready for this? Do You sure? You're kicking off this week, though. I am. I know. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. All right. 
Here are the top 10 stories of the week, starting with Numero Uno. Not so fast. Before we get to those 10 stories, we need to get paid. So here is a message from our sponsor. This episode is brought to you by Thinknear. Here's co-founder John Hennigan to remind us we what they do. We specialize in delivering advertising solutions uh, for our customers that focus on location. They also help you save money on gas, whether you know it or not. They worked with a national fueling station with locations across the country. Brett Cohen explains what Thinknear did. One of the things we wanted to do with location is pull in local data and use it as part of the ad creative. We served mobile ads and in the banner creative, we actually piped in through an API local gas price information. It's actually telling them the lowest price gas in that, in that local area. And when they click through the ad, they could get a list of all the gas stations in their local area, say in the nearest one to two miles, and get the live real-time gas prices. We're giving them information that helps them make a better decision about where to buy their gas, where to buy their fuel, and that makes for a much better brand experience and a much better performance for the campaign. Think near, saving you money at the pump. And now, back to the show. Here are the top 10 stories of the week, starting with Numero Uno. Uh, you know, do you remember the, the, the meme of the internet connected fridge? Remember what that was supposed to do, Asif? I do. Right? When you run out of milk or when you're low on milk, it would automatically understand that it would, you were low on milk and it would order it for you or create a, a shopping list. And then, you know, using Amazon Fresh or something these days, you could get it delivered to your house and you wouldn't even know you're out of milk. You just show up one day and there's all of a sudden you've got some milk. Well, uh, you know what? That didn't take off. It hasn't yet. But here's a logical, logical, logical application of such technology. It's called the Panasonic Power Shelf. I don't know why anybody didn't think of this before. There's some things that I am completely excited about, some things that I think are going to be completely useless, but we're going to go through this. This is the first fully integrated retail merchandising solution to combine battery-free, wirelessly powered electronic shelf labels, beacon-activated mobile advertising capability, inventory and price management software, and out-of-stock sensor technology. So this is our shelves. These are easy to use, easy to build shelves with all of this technology built into it. And it can be installed uh, on existing shelves and it, uh, inside of freezers, inside of just traditional shelves as well. There are a bunch of things here. There's an out-of-stock sensor, as I said. Basically, they, this staggering statistic that I read was that out-of-stock, being out-of-stock costs retailers 4% of annual sales. Can you imagine? 4%. I thought it would be a little bit higher, but 4% of annual sales. So there's the out-of-stock sensors. There's the beacon-activated mobile advertising, which I think I might have a challenge with, but uh, there is that built into it. The beacons are actually not battery-powered because the shelves are plugged in. It just siphons off the power of the mm. shelves, which I like quite a lot simply because I don't like beacons with batteries because batteries need replacements, and there's costs associated with that. It also has uh, these electronic shelf labels, um, which which are basically for pricing, so that you can control the pricing from the back office. You don't have to walk around with those little pieces of paper and shove them into behind the plastic on the shelves. It controls it from the back office, which is great. So you can do wholesale price changes from software instead of printing labels out and putting them on. 
Uh, it's also got temperature control enabled tags. So if, for example, the temperature dips below uh, the acceptable use or goes above the acceptable use, it, it actually sends off notifications, alarms, and that such so that your food doesn't spoil. So this is this is a pretty colossal invention from Panasonic. If you want some more information, you can go to us.panasonic.com forward slash power shelf forward slash power shelf. Now, this is a pretty unique and uh, amazing thing. And maybe this is where we start to think about actually taking some of this technology and bringing it into the home, into the fridge, into the shelves mm -hmm. in the fridge. I like this. Let's there see if go. I like it. I don't know yeah, that and, I... And currently in use at 40 uh, Whole Foods stores. That's, yeah, of course. Yeah. Whole Foods. Yeah, so, uh, so that's kind of cool. But uh -huh. I like I don't like the idea of the beacon-activated mobile advertising. I'm not I'm not sold that... I'm that... not sold on that, but I, I love the out-of-stock inventory piece because yep. what happens is is once the, the last item is, is, is removed, it basically, uh, obviously it has like a weight, weight sensors and things like that. It uh, automatically sends a text message to a, uh, an employee saying, hey, you know, come... come you know, fill the shelf up again. Can you imagine? That, that would be the most annoying thing in the world. <laughs> fill me, fill me, fill stock me, boy, me, stock boy. But yeah. I, I right. would also like, I would also like to know, like, uh, you know, if it's not on the shelf uh, and if I have an app and I notice that it's not on the shelf, but I want it, uh, there's, it's got to be in a cart somewhere. You know, maybe there's three mm. or four that are around the store. So I'd love to know where that is so I can go and grab it so I don't have to wait for the uh, stock boy to come and fill the shelves. Anyway, there you go. that's cool. That's story one. It's a long one, but it's pretty cool. Yes. All right. Our second story. Over to Germany, uh, there's a company uh, called, uh, I think I'll, I'll pronounce it Loker, uh, L-O-C, or Locker. Uh, I, I'm going to go with Loker since it's about location. L-O-C-R. <laughs> it's not a gym app, eh? Um, so this is a, uh, <laughs> it's not, <laughs> no. Uh, so these guys are kind of interesting. So they've got a, a location-based uh, platform that uh, marketers can basically take uh, their email lists um, and their phone lists and things like this, their mailing lists, uh, and kind of suck it into their into their platform, uh, and then basically it will like reorganize all the data uh, based on geocoding everything. Uh, um, so, it, in other words, it, it can show you that uh, you know here's a list based on location or distance from a business or from an event. Uh, so, so it basically takes that data and, and lays it on top of, of mapping data. Uh, and blends these things together, which is kind of interesting. Uh, they can also generate personalized maps for you out of the system. There's APIs so that you can have this automatically interface with existing systems that you already have. Um, so kind of, kind of, you know, taking old school, you know, sort of list management and things like that, and you know, adding a new school element of, um, you know, creating geodata uh, connected to uh, to that information. So this is kind of, kind of cool. And it's all, uh, you know, we know Germany is crazy about their their privacy laws and all 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 that this platform does is in in line with the uh, German Federal Data Protection Act so good to go Loker uh, L-O-C-R all right our uh, third story involves some funding uh, this is a company called move it it's an Israeli based uh, public transport startup They've raised $50 million in their Series C funding round. So basically what, uh, what uh, MoveIt does, I was about to say what Loker does. Uh, what what MoveIt does is they, are, they give you information about uh, traveling by public transportation. That's mm -hmm. what it is. So instead of, um, you know, what uh, typical stuff is uh, like mapping or, or um, uh, companies that actually give you directions by car, this is about public transportation. So you type in where you want to go and uh, when you want to go, and it gives you all of the uh, stuff for public transportation. They um, are now worth uh, up to $450 million. That's their market cap right now. 
their investors were Nokia Growth Partners, BMWI Ventures, Keolis, Sequoia Capital, Bernard Arnault Group, uh, Vezra Investments, BRM Capital, and Gemini Partners. They have 15 million public transport users using the applications in around the cities uh, of Sa um, Sao Paulo, Madrid, Barcelona, Rome, Milan, New York, and LA. Now, here's here's the challenge, okay? Here, hear me out. They have raised uh, $81.5 million now, including this 50. So, Anir Erez, who is the CEO of Move, uh, said in, in a, an article on TechCrunch that, uh, here's a quote, we believe that once we get hundreds of millions of users, we will be able to monetize in multiple ways, such as adding extra services like connecting to taxis or value-add advertisement or selling bus and train tickets. That is true. You, if you have a couple of 100 million users, you should be able to put a revenue label. I'm just saying, right? See, so mm -hmm. far, so good. But I did a little math here, and it's always bad when I do a little math because my math is terrible, uh, but I did a little math here. So if you took just their pre-money, like their, the, the money that they've gotten invested before this 50, $31.5 million was put into this company. They have 15 million users. So you do a little bit of math. That's about $2.10 per user that it's cost them to get to this level. Are you with me so far? $2.10. So if they had 200 million users, which is what they're going to go, yeah. it's going to cost yeah. them $420 million in investment to get to that level before they turn on revenue. And if you take the 81 million, that's $5.40 per user to get to 200 million users, that's over $1 billion in funding. So this is a big bet for public transportation, a huge bet with the idea that maybe revenue is behind it. Anybody with 100 or 200 million people or users, consistent users, should be able to make a crap load of money. I'm just saying that it's going to cost anywhere between $420 million in user acquisition, all the way up to a billion dollars in user acquisition to start turning on revenue. That would scare the crap out of me. Yeah, but, you know, Rob, at the end of the day, you know, I'll, you know, question the math here. At the end of the day, we know if these guys are, are successful in, in building, you know, a significant user base, regardless of, uh, of, of the funding, piece somebody i mean just like with way google yeah. you know even took them out or like, like these people make no money or they made no money right i mean the 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 shareholders make money um but you you know that's you know that's what they're they're they seeing said, those kinds of dollar signs right but they said in the same, but they said in the same article that uh, the the ceo said that we're not interested in being bought by by google like ways was yeah, but yeah. Yeah. Uh, anyway if you're interested in this uh, uh moveitapp.com uh, this is why i shouldn't do math just very clearly, this is why I shouldn't do math. It's frustrating. <laughs> there you go. All right. Yeah, so our, our fourth story is about uh, our good friends at Snapchat. You know, uh, everybody on the planet by now, I think, has heard of Snapchat or if they're not using it. And uh, this isn't so much a, a story about the product or the company or a new offering per se. It's about, um, you know, uh, a piece actually that was written uh, this week uh, uh, on how retailers in particular could use Snapchat in a business context to uh, sort of overcome things like showrooming. And it was a very interesting, uh, motivating uh, piece, I thought, um, and, and a different way to think about, you know, Snapchat. And so just wanted to highlight a few of the things that they were they were uh, suggesting in this. So they were, they were saying, you know, the beauty of Snapchat is this idea of, you know, you send a message to somebody and then it disappears. It's the ephemeral uh, uh, aspect of it that that people like, so that you know the, you know it, it's like the old Mission Impossible, you know, uh, message, right? Where you know, like you know, this message deletes and <laughs> self destructs, right? In in ten seconds or whatever, right? It, it's that kind of thing. And, and so one of the ideas that that's been floated around around uh, Snapchat is this idea of you know an in store offer or coupon 
being sent to people on the Snapchat platform from the from the merchant, you know, that is completely you know, uh, random, right? Like, so in other words, instead of you just blasting everybody with coupons and whatever else, you know, maybe like, you know, the, the bananas are going bad right now in the grocery store. So let's just hit anybody in the store right now on the fly. We're just making this up as we go. You know, it's 50, 50% off on bananas right now. Um, you know, and, and we, and we can push this, this coupon or this offer out over Snapchat. Uh, and then it's gone. And if you like, you know, if you, you don't use it in the next five, Five minutes or whatever it is, uh, you know, it's, it disappears. Like it's, 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 it's you got to be there uh, to engage with this. And, and I think it's a rather interesting idea. Uh, there was also this, uh, this suggestion that, you, you know, in theory, you could tie um, the messaging plat- uh, aspects and platform of Snapchat to beacons. Um, so being able to understand where somebody is in a store from a, you know, from a location point of view, an indoor mapping perspective, and then being able to deliver uh, a Snapchat, you know, offer or or, or marketing message uh, based on you know uh, tying that to presence. Um, so I think that's rather interesting as well. Um, and then the third the third one I wanted to highlight, which which I thought was really really cool, is uh, you know and and the idea that they were suggesting is is you know in in clothing shopping in particular. But so you're at you're at a clothing store, you try something on and then if you take a photo like a selfie or something like that uh and then you uh you know send this via snapchat to a friend and you you tag the brand in that they may uh respond by then sending you uh an offer uh on on you know uh, on the snapchat channel to both you and your friend um you know to uh, participate so so there's this kind of social sharing piece uh, or magnification of the offer, which I think is really cool. So, lots of interesting things to think about. Uh, but any platform like that, I think, could be interesting for retailers to think about. What a thought, eh? That's that's a perfect example. If you get 700 million people using a product, I'm sure you can make money off of it. All right, our next story involves graffiti. Well, digital graffiti. Mm-hmm. Well, not even really digital graffiti, but graffiti, digital art projects put on a wall with a projector that's what we're talking about here watch this video and see if you understand what it is it's called something called d hubs and uh, i'm just going to roll this video and it's going to explain it a little bit and we'll be right back to talk about it bakar and i come from post-soviet country georgia where freedom of speech sometimes is considered as a luxury my father is politician and since my childhood i remember how my family was advocating for freedom of speech so free speech is in my bones, and that's what DHUB stands for. There are people in the world who want to say something meaningful, something important. Sometimes Facebook friends and Twitter followers are not enough. If you take my example, I have 50 Twitter followers, but I had many occasions in my life when I wanted to spread my voice across the world. One example was in 2008, when it was war in my country, And second example was this year, when I got married. So number of people who will hear your voice is very important. But there is another thing I don't like in today's social media. It is very difficult to find messages with deeper emotional bonds. DHUBS is the social network where users directly post in streets, on public screens. It is new communication channel we have access to the thousands of people walking in the streets. All you need to do is just to download mobile application, create your message, and your adventure starts here.
Imagine your free speech revolutionary message displayed on gigantic billboard on Times Square. Imagine yourself picture flying with the drone all around the city. Imagine your girlfriend's face when she sees your love projected on the street walls. We are next generation of social network, connecting physical and online world. So the guy who goes to the gym, the meathead, the lug nut, like in me, where I just go and lift the heaviest weights I possibly can and don't think about anything, looks at this and says, huh? But the guy who understands a little bit about how the world works and about where this guy comes from uh, has an appreciation for what D-Hubs is. If you're interested, go to dhubs.com. You can learn a little bit more information, see some other videos. Pretty cool, I suppose. Uh, it's interesting. Uh, only in Seattle and only on street corners at night. Kind of like hookers. Check it out if you're in Seattle. <laughs> what did I say there? D-Hubs. All right. All right. Our sixth story. There, you remember there was this carrier consortium between AT&T, T-Mobile, and Verizon. Uh, they all got together around creating a mobile payments platform, originally called ISIS for obvious reasons, was renamed uh, and now called SoftCard. That happened back uh, you know, just before, uh, well, I guess in, in the late fall yep. uh, when, when the rebranding happened. Um, and then they announced around that time, a couple months ago, that uh, a $1.5 million ad campaign around something called uh, Tappy, which was basically this, their new brand. You know, they're going with this soft card brand. They created this guy called Tappy, which is a, basically a Muppet. You remember the Muppets? Okay? I do remember so the Muppets. A, a Muppet named Tappy was their new, their new guy, their new, their new brand. Um, and so, you know, big money spending going on. Da, 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 da. And now here we are, like just two months later, after the rebranding and $1.5 million Muppet named Tappy, uh, now they come and say, hey, uh, we're downsizing, we're reorganizing, uh, we, we're firing 60 people, and uh, we're consolidating our operations to just Dallas and New York. Uh, so is this the beginning of the end of SoftCard? Did Apple Pay, you know, kind of just kill them uh, is the question. And, you know, I, you know, the, like, uh, so they're inter interviewed by a couple of people and they basically said, no, 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 we're, we're here. We're just, you know, we're refocusing. You know, we're, we're, we're becoming a different company. Uh, we're not going away. Uh, but, you know, I don't know if I can believe this because the, everybody I talk to is like, Apple Pay's out there. Apple Pay's reinvigorated Google Wallet. So we're going to see that, you know, come back a little bit. Um, we know PayPal's off in the wilderness trying to figure out what they're doing. And so I, I, I don't really know, you know, what the play is for, uh, for SoftCard. I do believe that there will be a carrier, uh, you know, based payment uh, platform, maybe back to the individual carriers themselves. Um, and I don't know if the consortium is, is going to survive. So, so if there I was you go. To, SoftCard, I, is it shutting down? Is it not shutting down? Who knows? They're definitely downsizing. So if I was to qualify or quantify all three of those that you mentioned as movies, if I qualified them as movies, mm. uh, SoftCard would be Big Hero 6. Have you ever seen that movie? Yes. You know that scene where he's at the police station and he's got the holes in his air and it's he's slowly deflating and he's putting tape all over himself? Greatest scene in, in movies. If you haven't seen it, it's hysterical. And that to me is what SoftCard is like. It's like trying to put you know tape over these holes that are deflating it. Uh, if if I was Apple, I would think of the Avengers. That's exactly what it would be. It'd be like this powerful force. It'd be like, come on, you can't stop it. It barrels through everything. Just the Avengers going through it.
And you know, with uh, with basically with uh, PayPal, we'll say, uh, you know, the um, the new Reese Witherspoon movie. Uh, I, I think it's called uh, Wild. Oh my God! What have I done? I'm sorry. You have to walk a thousand miles just to finish that sentence. Why do I have to walk a thousand miles? Where she's just wandering for 100 days. Mm. I think that's where I would put put PayPal, right in the middle of that, out in the middle of the wilderness, trying to find their way home, not really knowing how to uh, feed themselves or what water wow. or what berries to drink. That's how that's how I would classify those three uh, in, in this business right there you now. Go. Yeah. There <laughs> so, you go. Anyway. Movie recommendations now available, by the way, on this weekend location-based market. Exactly. <laughs> I highly recommend right. Hero 06. Number seven, Rob. All right, number seven. I, hey, it's time for an Uber story. Actually, a good Uber story. And we've talked about this many, many, many times before about how they have the power of the car, right? And now they've got they've launched something uh, called Uber Cargo in Hong Kong. And it's exactly what it sounds like. Basically, all you do is you call an Uber Cargo to move stuff. So if you need deliveries right away, if you need to send fresh bread or pastries or flowers or whatever it might be, or if you need to just basically send your friend something, you just call Uber uh, Cargo. Use the application, the Uber app. You choose whether or not you want a traditional uh, ride or cargo. You choose cargo. And then you uh, say where you want it to go. You can follow the driver, arrive at your door. It's basically like an Uber. From that point on, you stick the things in the car or you can actually go for a drive with your stuff and uh it's all built it's seamless it's amazing it's uh it's uber right it makes it makes what they're doing on the cab side uh seem logical we've we saw uber deliver christmas trees a couple of years ago we've seen uber do a bunch of things like this and i think that this is a uh, pretty significant move mm-hmm. by uber you can go to blog.uber.com forward slash uber cargo uber cargo and uh, it's launched in hong kong our A story is about a little partnership between our friends at Retail Next and a company called Steps Away. Retail Next, as you might know, is an indoor location analytics company, uh, and they've teamed up with Steps Away, which is a mobile retail solution that uh, is, is a push marketing platform. So what they're doing is, is they're working together in, uh, in malls uh, to actually take the uh, location analytics, of, you know, the movements, uh, dwell time, traffic data, that Retail Next has, and, and layering that on top of, or with, if you will, the the targeting uh, platform, the the push targeting platform that Steps Away has. So this is kind of cool because it's it's uh, instead of going out and and you know sort of just you know having one platform over here to do one thing and, and analytics on a whole separate thing, you know they're kind of te- you know tying these things together and giving insights to the store owners, operators, and and the mall uh, owner operators uh, all all together and kind of having one kind of common uh, solution, I think, makes sense. Retail next and steps away. There you go. Uh, Our second to last story involves a company that I didn't actually think still was in business, a company called Path. Remember these guys? Mm -hmm. Actually, I, I lie about that. I know one guy, a good friend of mine, Andrew Milne, that uses Path by himself. Yes. Sad, sad, sad state. Certainly certainly not me. I haven't used it in years, 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 years. But they put something out in the fall called Path Talk. Uh, Basically, it's a a way to communicate with businesses instead of two people. So you communicate basically with a business. There's an interpreter, an interpretation that happens. So I send, say, a, a notification to a business 
in my neighborhood and I asked them a question and what it does is somebody from Path talked, uh, the company Path responds on their behalf, on the company's behalf. Um, this always reminds me of Local Mind, but Local mm. Mind, the way that it used to work with Lenny's old company, Lenny Rachitsky, um, that it would actually, you would find somebody in the venue and you would be able to right. have a conversation with somebody in the venue about like how long the lines were and so on and so forth. And they were moving into this space with Path Talk is now just entering. So basically look, it, it talks through an interpreter uh, of the, for that business. But these guys um, are, are growing this. And apparently over the Christmas holidays, they had some amazing uh, numbers, growth numbers around people looking for presents, looking for reservations, looking for things that they couldn't get because everything was closed or, uh, you know, everything was out of stock. So it's actually, it, it could be useful, but I still think, and when we talked about this the very first time, they don't release numbers on this, but when we talked about this the mm. very first time, the biggest question was, and it still is on my mind, is that why don't I just pick up the damn phone and call the business instead of having to go yeah. through an interpreter? Uh, and I'm so surprised that this is even still a thing. I don't get this at all, man. Uh, at least Lenny's was, um, was, you know, with Local Mind was very directed. It was like, I need to know what the lineup is at that restaurant. I need to know what the weight is for that, uh, for the restaurant or the bar. I need to understand who's there and is it worthwhile? Is the scene worthwhile? Uh, Path Talk is, is not scalable. It seems like a pain in the ass to be able to get into. And you're probably faster because, you know what? Path Talk only has hours. So say they only work nine to five, mm. but the place that you're interested in is open to nine to nine. You can't yeah. use Path. And then you know what it does? It's built in this technology so that the next available moment, so say nine o'clock the next morning, it will respond to you. It's like, <laughs> I don't get this at all. Yeah. I don't get it. I don't get it. I'm missing something here. Um, I, and maybe uh, maybe I'm just not smart enough to, to gather it. But uh, this is one of these things that I just, again, it sounds neat. It sounds like it could be useful. But then, you know what? Alexander Graham Bell invented this thing called the telephone. And we forget about that all the time. Is that with a, a telephone and uh, I, basically a 10-digit number, I can communicate with anybody on the freaking planet. Sometimes a little bit longer, sometimes a little bit shorter number. But you get the point. I can call somebody and ask yeah, them directly. And I, I can tell you, we got all sorts of members that are in the call tracking uh you know, uh, the phone call business, basically, from a local search point of view. And, you know, there's so many good solutions out there it's that businesses one. are using and should be using if they're not, uh, you know, that are about driving call traffic to uh, to the actual store or, or whatever it is you're trying to reach. So I, I have trouble seeing how this... Uh, you know, this can actually become a, a significant business. So but, many things. You know. So many things can go wrong for the brand. Yeah. Like if I don't get an immediate response, or yeah. if I get the wrong response, that's, that's yeah. reflected and, on the and, brand. And, and who's like the person that's calling you back from Path? Like, what did they? What do they actually know about the brand? Right? Like they don't. They don't know anything about the. They brand. They don't know anything about the brand. Like, and, and and does a brand trust them to speak on their behalf? It's like, ridiculous. Uh, you know, I I don't know. I don't know. Anyhow, Path Talk. Path, path Talk. All and right. it's a ringing endorsement from Asif and I. Go get it. <laughs> yeah. All right. Our final story, our 10th story. Uh, well, it's it's just over a week now since uh, armed gunmen attacked the offices of the French satire newspaper Charlie Hebdo. Uh, and, you know, we're still, uh, you know, the world's still dealing with uh, with this and uh, the aftermath of this and uh, and certainly uh, concerned uh, for uh, for the for the families of the people uh, who were affected by that but out of that comes a new app called the je suis charlie app uh, and uh, you know I, I just wanted to raise this you know this is something that you know has caught the attention of the world this uh, you know this uh, this just crazy attack on, on this uh, on these people 
and and the police officers and the cartoonists that were killed. Um, but uh, you know, in an act of solidarity, and we saw the you know sort of the around the world people gathering and and uh, in support. Uh, the app basically uh, is a digital version of of showing that solidarity. So what what it does is is it, it uses a Facebook Foursquare like check in platform, uh, and so you basically share your location. And when you do, it basically uh, instead of putting a pin on a map as to where where you are, they basically put the symbol uh, of the you know the fist uh, symbol that has become. Uh, that we're all familiar with now uh, on the map, and then you can see where other people who have the Just We Charlie app are near you and around the world. And so it's basically a digital way to show, in a location sharing context, uh, you know, the solidarity of of, of the people uh, who are uh, showing their concern uh, about this uh, about this terrible, terrible uh, thing. I like that. I like that. It's like um, you know, if you can't be there in person, this is a uh, you know could be. The world's largest protest, simultaneous protest. Mm. Right? I think that's that's pretty amazing. Or show of support, not protest. But uh, the Je suis Charlie app. Go and download it. Yes, do. Those, my friends, we made it through the 10 stories. <laughs> we did. If I've done a good enough job editing this, you will not have noticed the crappy bandwidth that we've had this entire time. That in order to be able to get this amount of uh, good content has taken us basically, basically four hours. Six costume changes and two makeup applications in order to be able to do this. The lights are uh, basically melting my skin now. Uh, but those are the great 10 stories. If yours was not in there, that is your fault. Please, please, please reach out to us, rob at untether.tv or asif at thelbma.com. If you would like, you can leave us a voicemail as well. Just go to untether.tv forward slash talk, untether.tv forward slash talk, and you can actually pick up the phone and leave us a voicemail. We'll play it right here. We'll answer any questions or comment on what it is that you are commenting on, or we'll just let it run if you have a nice thing to say about us. Untether.tv forward slash talk. Pretty easy to reach us. Before we get into our big story of the day, which is called SoBizCom, SoBizCom.com, baby, we have got a guest, Jonathan Berlin, Economy. You sat down with him, Asif. Why don't you cue this up? Let's let it go. Yeah. So, uh, Jonathan, I mean, we've talked about uh, Economy uh, before on the show. This is the company who uh, has taken beacons and put them inside of mannequins. Economy is a, a spin-out company from... A, uh, and a much older company called Universal Display, which Jonathan uh, also works for uh, as a managing director of. Um, and so this is a long-standing business, uh, almost 30 years old, 27 years old to be exact, as, as he'll, he'll, he'll share. Um, and uh, yeah, so I don't need to say anything more because Jonathan's going to say it all right now. Jonathan Berlin from Economy. Well, it's that time of the week where we get to bring on a special guest on the show. And this week, it's uh, I'm really excited because we have... Jonathan Berlin, who's the founder and CEO of Economy, as well as the managing director of a company called Universal Display. Jonathan, thanks for being on this week in location-based marketing. It's a pleasure. Thanks for having me. So why don't you just, for those who don't know who Economy or Universal Display is, who are you guys? What do you do? Okay, so Universal Display is where I started um, over 27 years ago, third-generation family business. Um, and we are in the business of making mannequins. Um, Economy comes further along. Uh, we incorporated the company in the, uh, November 2013, uh, launched our product in March 2014, which is a, um, a product which works in conjunction with our mannequins. It doesn't have to. Uh, 
but uh, it, it certainly was invented in that way, but as time's gone on, it's changed. I co-founded that company with my sculptor at Universal, Adrian Coe, who's worked with me for 20 years. So we have uh, you know, an immense uh, collective background for retail, um, and we've created a product which really is uh, aimed at both the retailer and the consumer, knowing what we know works for them. Awesome. So, I mean, a long heritage uh, in, in obviously the mannequin industry and, and, and working in the retail sector. The reason you came, uh, you know, to, to onto our radar was the fact that you started working with Beacons. Uh, and Beacons is a thing that we talk about every day in retail, especially in the world of location-based marketing and, and targeting uh, consumers based on location. You decided to put build beacons into the mannequins that you were building uh, and, and sell these, uh, you know, as, as basically a, you know, sort of a high-end mannequin with, you know, extra features. Um, how, ha- how has the retail community uh, reacted to that? Um, are they embracing this? Are they concerned? It's, it, it, they are embracing it. I mean, it's, a, it's gr- a groundbreaking product. I mean, everybody uses beacons, but not to the extent that we're using them. I'll give you a little bit of a background. Um, obviously, when you walk down a street uh, or in a mall, um, you are looking at um, a product in a window with mannequins and the drama and the beauty of the windows. We're very much about that. We're about the creativity of the windows and keeping that. Now, people were coming along with touchscreen windows and magic mirrors. To- mm-hmm this sort of thing. And what we want to do was keep the integrity of those windows, keep the drama, which is the thing that physically pulls the consumer into the store, but give it an edge, give it something extra. What we did was we created something that would work perfectly with the man um, and uh, engage the consumer in, in a far greater way with their handheld device, which is theirs, they're not touching windows, they're not being pulled in by anything else than something that is already there in their hand. So the consumers are really loving it because it's giving them huge amounts of information. It's, it's telling them where they can find products in store. It's showing them the actual product that's in the windows and on the mannequin. It's allowing them to drill down and get far more information. And that's 24 hours a day, so the store could be closed. They can take those details away with them on their smartphone, yeah. and they can actually order online via the uh, retailer's website. So that's great. Okay, I mean, so the retailers like it, the consumers are getting value from it. Um, how, how, how is this promoted to consumers in store? How do they know that there's a beacon in the mannequin to interact with? How are retailers kind of messaging that and telling them about it? What we've done with our initial launches, uh, there's a number of things. One is that we are putting a vinyl on the window, and the vinyl is asking people or inviting people to download the app. Um, and therefore, obviously, they can engage. Retailers are using their data that they have on the client, their client list, and sending out information about the stores that have the have the technology in and inviting them to come and have a look and download. And we on our side are um, <clears throat> talking to uh, consumer press and we've been very uh, lucky and, and they've been very kind to us and they're putting the word out for us as well. 
So okay. it, obviously as critical mass grows, people will understand the product more and see it more, and then the downloads become great. And, and just just so I'm clear, the, the app that you're uh, asking people to download, is it the retailer's own branded app, or is it an economy app, uh, or is it both? We have an economy app. We have an API that we are giving to our retail customers so they can embed the technology within their own app. So you have a, you have the best of both worlds. Okay. And has there been any any uh, uh, you know privacy concerns or anything like that that's been raised around sort of just having these beacons sitting inside of mannequins that you know are essentially watching you or tracking you? Sure. I mean. It's a question I get asked all the time. Yeah. We are very, very specific because obviously privacy is very important. We want people to use the product, but we don't want them to feel that they are being tracked. When you register for our um, app, you're asked for your age range, your clothing size, and optionally, um, you can give your email and your name. Now, the clothing size and the age range um, and obviously gender are important for us to personalize the experience going to these people. But that's that's about it. If you want to give your email and your name, by all means, you can if you don't, you don't want to. It still allows a huge amount of analytic data for the retailer. Um, and what we found is we can see the engagements. We can see everything from the notification, you know, when somebody gets a notification as they walk past the store, to uh, all the way through the experience, the basket clicks, to what people have looked at. And if you have the demographic, you can build up a huge amount of data on mm -hmm. that anyway. Fantastic. So, last question. Um, you know, obviously, this this is an innovative way to you know to bring beacons into a retail environment by you know tying them into uh, you know something they they need anyways, which is you know, in this case a mannequin. We've seen similar things um, with, with other companies building it into directly into shelving units and things like that. Um, so obviously, you know, I, I understand why, and I, and I think what you're doing is really really innovative and cool. What what's next for Iconomy? I mean, if, if you look sort of you know. 12, 18 months down, you know, the roadmap, you know, you know, it, it, are you working on other products or anything you can share with us? We are. I mean, we're enhancing the, the product we have now uh, to make it even more personal. Um, but, you know, there, there are some things that just can't be done at the moment. But we do have, yes, we have some new products which will be obviously uh, consumer facing. Um, but for different sectors, um, and they're very, very excited, uh, exciting. We, work, we've, we have a beacon which will um, transmit at a far greater distance, so as you can imagine, we can use this for other things sure. as well, so it's, it's, the proximity doesn't have to be close, but it's sort of watch the space and all will be revealed. Fantastic. Well, this is exciting. I'm really uh, excited uh, that, that this is happening, that retailers are embracing it. Consumers seem to be, uh, you know, getting some value from it. So that's great. Uh, and just for our audience uh, who's watching this out there, um, if you're in the UK or you can get to the UK, London in particular, on February the 4th, the LBMA London chapter is hosting a meetup uh, in the evening on Beacons. Jonathan will be there and speaking directly uh, in person about this on, on as part of a panel. So you can meet him uh, and learn more about Economy uh, uh, at that event. So that's February the 4th in the evening in London, England. Uh, so we encourage you to get there if you can. Uh, Jonathan, thank you so much for your time. 
really great to uh, to chat with you and uh, looking forward to seeing you in person uh, on the 4th. Uh, thanks so much uh, for joining us. Thanks for having me. So Jonathan, thanks again for, for doing that and sharing with our audience. And as, uh, as I, I said on the video, and I'll say it again, uh, if you are in London on February the 4th uh, and you're coming to our event, Jonathan will be there. You can that meet guy. him in person. You that can meet guy. him in person, people, um, and, uh, and learn all about the beacons in the mannequins. Uh, yeah. Beacons in the mannequins. Beacons in the mannequins. It's a precursor yes. to beacons in the humans. Yeah. We're just testing it to make sure that it doesn't do any damage yeah. internally to the mannequins. Yeah, that's yeah. all they're doing. They're just making sure that no internal organs are destroyed and the radiation is fine. So pretty soon we'll be testing on humans. Beacons into humans. Jonathan, thank you for being a part of this. We really appreciate you allowing us to uh, have this and use this clip on This Week in Location-Based Marketing. Jonathan Berlin from Economy. All right, now we get to dive into this great thing called our main story. Uh, we're going to combine a couple of the stories that we've had, uh, we've talked about in the top 10 to a, a bigger, bigger, bigger message. And I'm calling it So SoBizCom, so biz calm, which means social business communications, in case you didn't know that. that was the big reveal. So SoBizCom. Do not register that domain name. It's a terrible, terrible thing. But uh, we're going to be talking about the way that uh, Snapchat and Path Talk places uh, are starting to try to communicate based on your location or based on a location instead of a human being. So how are you seeing this, Asif? This is this is a trend that's happening. This is a, an attempt at a trend that is happening. Or is this two companies that are trying to push this upon us? Is there a need? Do we want this? Do we need this? Kick it off. I, I'm going to say it's, it's a trend that's happening. I, I, I think that, you know, retailers uh, and merchants are, are, are waking up to the fact that, um, you know, the, and I think it, it's partly driven by the beacon uh, phenomenon. Yes. So, so, so you, you know, we, we're putting these beacons in all these stores or Wi-Fi or, or whatever the communication mechanism is. And it has it gives us the ability to understand, you know, who's there right now. Um, and in many cases, you know, we want to talk to them. We want to be able to engage them. We want to be able to convince them to buy something from us or, or engage with us in some way at that particular time in that particular location. Um, but one of the challenges that we have with that, and especially in the world of beacons, where you know it requires an app uh, in order to interface, it means that we have to drive you know downloads of that app uh, in order to have you know people that we can actually communicate with. And so w when you start to look you know at that and the challenges around that, I think what you realize is that, or, or where the trend is starting to come now, is is this idea that we either need to go and interface with apps people already have on their devices so things like you know the in-market approach if you will where you know they take the SDK from their beacon platform and they embed it in third-party apps like Epicurious or something like that that people already have on their phone so when you walk into a store with the Epicurious app it, it can recognize uh, the beacon yep. and and the communication channels open you don't need to go have some separate you know branded you know uh, merchant app so that's one way to think about this idea of you know uh, of engagement another way to think about it is, is in the context of messaging like we're talking about here so whether it's snapchat or path talk or even for example you know uh, and I just this one just popped into my head on the fly here so uh, you, you know don't don't knock me for it but 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 even something like you know the you know the six people out there who still have black Berries. You know, think about the idea of using BBM, for example, as a as a communication platform, right? There's still a lot of people who have BBM as a messaging. It would be uh, a lot of one-way messaging. Or, Hello, or kick, is or anybody out there? You know, or the Kick app, uh, or things like that. So I think there are a lot of 
you know, opportunities to, to take these platforms, these messaging environments, uh, and, and turn them into ways that brands can actually communicate with consumers in a relevant location-sensitive and contextual framework. And what I love about you know the the Snapchat um, piece that I shared earlier, you know, for me the the, the best uh, example or use case of that was the was the one at the end where you know I, I take the selfie, I share the photo with a friend, and the brand responds by giving both of us you know a discount or offer, um, you know, and, and so the ability to draw more people in. What I would like to see out of that though, if you go down that path, is how do we then you know capture those people. Uh, in, in terms of people that we can we can message you know uh, or engage with on, on other sure. platforms, so can we can, can we then take them and also link them to our Facebook page it's or tough, to our though, you know, or to our Twitter or, or to other things? So I think that's where you know there's a data uh, management exercise that needs to sort of uh, be thought around all of this in terms of you know how, how you tie it together. So th there you go. I'm done. Well, no, Over to you. you make a, it makes a lot of sense, um, I, but I think that uh, I wonder if this is shoehorning something into a platform that isn't ready for it. Like Snapchat's interesting, but but the beauty of Snapchat is a that you're you know we aren't on it, parents aren't on it. It's much more of a of a millennial thing, and and b that it, it that they're temporary messages. So uh, from a marketing standpoint, I can really understand, and a retail standpoint, I can really understand that uh, putting something with a time limit on it. Uh, in an exchange, so you have that you know the last example that you have that you and I are exchanging something and it's about a store and we each get a I take a picture of me in this outfit, my old mm -hmm. navy shirt and um, if people still shop at old navy uh, and and uh, we we both get a discount and then there's a time limit on that discount right because it'll evaporate yep. based on the whole thing you know the same way that uh, that snapchat works. I just I just wonder if there's other platforms that are better suited for this. Like something like um, um, Instagram is much better suited for something like a along that. Uh, where well, where yeah, I, I agree. But and, and even Twitter, I think Twitter is going to move heavy into this kind of a, a framework as well. Well, Twitter's right there with the Twitter buy and uh, and the data that they're collecting about the brands and the exchange that happens as a result of the brands, and especially around the conversations of the brands, right? So a lot of people use uh, Twitter as a support channel for their brand, right? Mm -hmm. So if you, if somebody's uh, berating Twitter uh, or berating a brand on Twitter like Rogers up here in Canada you should see the Rogers streams and Rogers helps you know they go out there and they try but they're so transparent in their in their apologies that it, it, it angers people even more but so I think that there is something that happens here and maybe maybe Twitter as the uh, you know the nervous system of the internet really does have that ability to get in there but but snapchat like, like it just seems to me that that you can do this. Um, and especially around showrooming, uh, I don't think that showrooming exists anymore. And I think that yeah. because what happens when you walk into a store like Best Buy or any other store is that it's not showrooming anymore. It's just buying, right? Like, I, yep. I, I think there's, there's a, uh, the concern about buying from a mobile device has now disappeared for the most part, even though only 50% of the people that we know on the planet who carry these things do it. But those 50% who do it don't showroom anymore. They just go in there and they buy. Like, it's just very clearly that, hey, that's a nice TV. Uh, it's cheaper here bought right there it's none of this showrooming anymore so i think that there's there's opportunity here but but i think that uh you know i i don't know who, who would pay for that i don't know how you pay for that i don't know that the, the platform snapchat is ready for this or is is adequate for this um and i certainly don't think the path talk is something that is anything uh close to at least what Snapchat might have, no. but I think that there's other platforms like Twitter and like Facebook that are better suited for these kind of things. Yeah, and I, don't, and I, don't I think if, if those types of platforms can somehow you know create this ability to, to do the disappearing message as well, 
yeah. then I think then I think it's it's golden, right? So, uh, but I agree. I think there's platforms that are better suited. But I, but I do like this idea of this this temporal yep. disappearing offer. You know, that's very much about you know what's relevant right now, and then it's gone. Because you can uh, see you can see it going so wrong with Snapchat, right? The great thing about Snapchat is the fact that it it is a communications platform first. And uh, trying to jam it all full of this kind of shopping stuff, and I wonder mm. the behaviors of their of their users. Do they look at it and say, "Yeah, you know what? I I'm in. I mean, I, I am showrooming. I don't think so. I think it's much yeah. more of a social environment. So that's why it's so bizcom, social business and communications. There but you, go. It, you know, most kids using Snapchat don't think of it as business, right? and I think that you have to make it so that it doesn't feel like business. How's that? Got it. Snapchat, Path Talk, Places, So Bizcom. We just coined a new phrase. That's it. For those of you who are watching, listening, whatever you are uh, doing at this moment, if you're watching or listening it, uh, you know that there are a couple of ways that you can support this podcast. If you so choose, if you've made it this far, it means that you actually may find value in it. And if you know that we have done 217 episodes, you probably find value in it along the way. But I would appreciate it if you could do a couple of things for us. Maybe one of them would be the simplest thing is to go on to wherever you have downloaded this, whatever podcast software you're using, or even on the website, or through Twitter, and give us some social credibility. That means it's a star rating in iTunes, a little review that you would write about the podcast, or if you're uh, so socially minded on Twitter or on Facebook, just do a little shout out to what we're doing here on This Week in Location-Based Marketing and mention us by name at Rob Woodbridge or at Asifar Khan or at Untether or at the LBMA uh, on Twitter, and we will actually respond and try to amplify that and we'll thank you profusely you can do it that way or you can go to patreon.com forward slash on tether and support this damn podcast with a couple of dollars every month two three four eight ten twenty dollars a month that's all we're asking for uh we'll send you some good swag uh we will send you our love and uh whether wherever we are whatever you are doing and whatever we are doing if we're in the same room we will hunt you down and hug the crap out of you uh, patreon.com forward slash on tether and of course if you are a business trying to reach our millions and millions and millions of local loyal fans uh, and people that tune into the show i wouldn't call them fans um, but people who tune into the show and find value you can obviously sponsor this damn thing we're expecting we're expecting we're accepting sponsorship for the coming quarter that will actually close out at the end of january so if you are interested in that reach out to me robin on tether.tv hmm. that's it that's it got nothing left hasif I will see you in Austin. I will see you in Austin, yes. For All the AsifCon right. birthday celebrations. Can be done. It will be done. be done. Yes. Thank you all for tuning in. We will talk to you next week on This Week in Location-Based Market. See you later. Six story. Yes. Six. With bad company. bandwidth, man. Bad bandwidth today. I don't know what it is. People it's play. crazy. Yeah. So th there was this group, uh, uh, this carrier consortium uh, of uh, AT&T, T-Mobile, and Verizon all working together. To conspire against us getting this episode done. <laughs>